I'm Stephen Gregory Smith. And I'm Matt Connor. We're staying up late. Because it's really great. For season eight of The Connor is Smith Show. Oh, uh, guys. Come on now. Adding verses? I... Your life is a comma, I know. Well, the teleprompter wasn't working. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'll get that up and running. Sorry, sir. Um, wow. Uh, we are going to be talking about 1998's Practical Magic tonight, today, whenever you listen to this. Directed by Griffin Dunn. Yes. Do you know who this is? Yes, he is the son of Richard Dunn. Dick Dunn. He's the the son of Get It Done. (laughs) Griffin Dunn is an actor that you might know from After Hours, the great Scorsese flick, or An American Werewolf in London. He plays the best friend of the lead character in that as well. Anyway, more on Practical Magic right after this. We'll be right back. For generations, people in Fairfax, Virginia have heard tales of the Bunny Man. Now, Bunny Man Brewing offers a tasty array of high-quality microbrews with a rotation of unique flavors. Come by to have a sample and maybe even catch a glimpse of the legendary hopper. But bring a friend, because you don't ever want to drink alone. Check our hours and see what's on tap at BunnyManBrewing.com. So Practical Magic, uh, first time seeing it, Matthew? Very, very first time. Only time. Okay. And what were your initial thoughts on Practical Magic with Nicole Kidman and Sandra Bullock and Stoggart Channing and Diane Weist? And Adrian, no, Aiden Quinn. I have to say, every 15 minutes was a different, unexpected turn. I didn't. I did not know where it was going. I would have never have guessed where it wound it up. Um, because in the very beginning, it kind of is about two youngsters saying goodbye to one another, and then when the one thing happens to the one sister, you think, "Oh, that's the story." Then something else happens to the other sister. And you forgot the actual beginning of of their great 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 grandmother who is getting hung for being a witch during the Salem witch trials. Like, that's the way the movie starts, and then it jumps to these kids. It's it's all over the place, tonally. Yeah, I, I mean, we talked about this briefly last night after the film, but I thought that it had, like, there was, like, five different ways of telling the movie in one movie, or five different styles, or... Because um, it wants to be funny, and it is, and it also wants to be kind of spooky, and it is, but in a very unexpected sort of like, um, not a not a very specific point of view in the entire film. Um, amazing actresses. Oh yeah, I think the character work is is the best part of the film, and I Beautiful think that's people. What, what carries it, you know. But man, it did not do well when it came out. It didn't. Oh no, and it got bashed by the critics. It wasn't until later that it became a cult following. Doing a lot of cult following uh, films on the, the podcast this season. We are. Well, we are. I I mean, everything becomes a cult if it's attached to a season, right? Kind of? I mean, ish, yeah. Because people want to watch something in October. Yeah. And we've got 31 days. We've got to pick 31. And it's a, there's like this whole thing, like practical magic fashion. 
for people and dressing up as, as certain people during Halloween for uh, women really grabbed onto this because it's a it was a story of sisterhood when that really wasn't being shown shown at, you know at that time. Um, I also thought that the film. Um, what did I say last night that I thought was really scholarly? <laughs> um, with a K? Magic? Practic- magic? No, it'll come to me. But I thought that the film... A, I want to know if you are saying... What are you trying to say about witchcraft? Like, is this... Should this have been a film that prompted up witchcraft in a more serious way that makes it feel like... Because it was almost done in a way that made it feel like it was just sort of a, a, a campy, this is a part of the plot, you mm-hmm. know. I mean, how do we still view witches? Well, I think it was embraced by the witch community because they make it so normal in a way, especially Sandra Bullock's character who's putting all of these things together with herbs and things and really helping uh, people. I mean, yeah. Where yeah. was that house? It wasn't. It was a, it was a facade built in Washington State. Uh, and the inside was uh, filmed on on sets. Well, so it was built for the movie. Barbara Streisand tried to buy the house after she saw the movie and was told it wasn't a real house. And then she had one built there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love this movie. It's a guilty pleasure. Um, the soundtrack I, is off the chain. I bought the soundtrack when I was in college. I watched this when I was in college. I may have had midnight margarita parties and danced to Lime in the Coconut. Funny thing about that scene, mm-hmm. everybody was actually drunk. Nicole Kidman brought a bottle of tequila on set, and it wasn't just the actors that were drunk. It was also the crew that was drunk, and that, they kept drinking. That explains some of those shots, man. After the fact, yeah. The director of photography, however, did refrained. He was the DD. <laughs> <laughs> so outside of the already... Um, Already songs that were already. There was also a composer who wrote music. Alan Silvestri. And I, I, at one point in the movie, while watching it, I said, "Gosh, some of this, some of this, almost sounds like Christmas, because it's kind of cheery and moving, like ching 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 ching." Yeah, I think that has a also a, a problem with the the tone of the film. Is I think the the music is. Alan Silvestri is a great composer. I mean, he did Back to the Future. I mean, he's a really good composer. And I don't think it's necessarily bad. But the tonal shifts, as you were saying, there's five different types of things. It really makes you, like, almost pull you out of where they're going. Yeah, and none of the composer's music matches any of the older stuff that we're trying to include. If they would have kept one or the other or found a way of why it was being used to help tell the story. It sounds like grumpier old men or something. It yeah. feels like, this This is a feel-good film that you're watching now. You know, and it, it just doesn't match the... I, I wish... I mean, this discussion was had when we did Jaws in a episode we're going to still release on Legend. There's a big discussion about soundtrack making or breaking the film. Um, let's talk once again about the songs that's duck out from pop music because it was a great soundtrack this kiss this This kiss kiss, i when we finished that scene i said to ryan there's just something about faith hills this kiss starting to play and the the aunts knowing what they've done in this spell and they're kind of knowing glances in this 
all these weird things and Sandra Bullock choosing to just leave the house and run down the main street and jump on top of a man she's never met and kiss him as the song swells to chorus. It's so well done. It's that perfect 90s, like, amazing romantic kind of moment. Um, I love it. It's one of my favorite moments in the film. I think the, another good uh, needle drop in the film is when Nicole Kidman uh, character uh, Jillian is driving back because uh, Sandra Bullock's uh, husband dies. And it's the Joni Mitchell song. A Case of You. A Case of You. Such a great needle drop, too. And, like, you know. You were always on my mind. You know, and it was always such a really funny choice. Because I don't think when she's driving, they even, like, tried to make it look real. Like, where she was driving. Right. Like, she's literally in a car on a set right now. And, and the scenery going by is not real in any way whatsoever. It's interesting. It's an interest, interesting <coughs> choice to make. <coughs> What's another one? Uh, Stevie Nicks has a song at the end of the. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm trying to think the oh god there I can't remember the artist but the during Nicole's like sexy scene like when she's talking about her new boyfriend who's the bad guy. The chorus is like, but is this real? I can't remember who the artist is, but it's a great soundtrack. There's lots of great songs on there. And on the soundtrack, you will actually still hear the original score by Michael Nyman um, that got thrown out uh, by the studio and Alan Silvestri came in to do it. Um, but he, it was so late in the process that his score is still on the soundtrack of Practical Magic. Interesting. It would be great to be able to see the film with his score like we can with Legend. Well, this is the 25th anniversary of this film, so maybe a reissue? So let me just sum up the ending and see if I am telling the truth. The truth. So Sarah. Sandra. So Sandra. Playing the role of Sally Owens. Kills somebody. Yeah. And they bury him in the backyard. No, I think it's the front. <laughs> it's the front yard. It's and they the kill front him twice. Yard. They bury him in the Matt's watch has said, I'm sorry, I don't understand they what you're saying. They bury him in the front yard. Mm -hmm. Then she falls in love with the guy that's going to prosecute her, who's investigating the crime. Mm -hmm. Well, the, no, he's not there to investigate him missing or, or that crime. He's there to investigate the fact that a, another woman was murdered by him. Mm -hmm. and, at the and, end, and let me correct you both. He's not there to investigate anything. He's there because she brought he, him there. But he also dreamt of her. Right, right. So they're just being brought together by fates and magic, practical magic. And they danced around a circle broom group with Nicole Kidman possessed by the spirit of her dead lover. And that's one of the big uh, reasons this is, uh, I was reading today actually, about uh, why it had such a huge cult following by women. It's cause, because of that sisterhood feeling of all these women that hated uh, coming together yeah, yeah. From, from childhood to now and wanting to see inside the house and all the, the things being uh, talked about uh, at that time I mean and it's a great scene you got uh, Margot Martindale who has had a, a career renaissance here cocaine bear I know I mean it's insane she's in everything uh, she was in uh, Justified the TV show she was in Impeachment Crime yeah, Story exactly yeah. I mean, just so was she in Impeachment she was uh, the book uh, woman 
The oh, book, really? the literary agent, yeah. And you get a young Evan Rachel Wood mm-hmm. uh, playing the daughter of Sandra Bullock. Um, I I love the woman that comes in with a dustbuster because they must have yes. said bring your brooms. <laughs> when she was on Sabrina the Teenage Witch like the year before that or something. Mm-hmm. It's just weird. It was a very witchy time. This movie I rewatched. The frog in the ring. Oh yeah, the frog. That's a, that's a stretch. Well, it is all magic. I mean, it was practical. I rewatched this when I was consuming films, when I was uh, writing our musical Witch. And I do think I was influenced by this movie when they all make the spirit of that guy turn to dust and then they say, sweep them out, sweep him out. And then we wrote a song called Sweep Them Out. There's also a very viral YouTube video that's all these witches in Germany or something doing this broomstick dance. That's the other source. I just want to say that. Interesting. Yeah. but Interesting. So this, this film did leave a an impression on some of our um, and I had said artwork I had said I've never seen death becomes her but I felt like I was in the neighborhood a cousin of that I also said I'm waiting for Bette Miller to appear <laughs> I also said I'm waiting for a musical theater music theater song to show up you know what you know what movie is like this movie but the movie I'm thinking of does the tonal shifts so much better, and that's Ghost. Ghost has the the high comedy from Whoopi Goldberg. You have the romantic uh, lead. You have a romantic uh, couple. Uh, you have a dead husband. You have uh, uh, spirits. You have some scary stuff. I mean, you have all of it, but it's just done in such... It keeps the, the unifying tone. It does keep it. And you can change the tones. It's just you have to have... I think Griffin Dunn was great with the actors because he was an actor himself, but the directing part... Maybe that's, not so much. And that's also because Whoopi's comedy comes out of a desperate place. So it's funny, but it's funny because she's desperate. Right, um, right, right. And there's a ticking time bomb yeah. of things going on. Well, one of the big things about this movie that was changed from the book, this was based on an Alice, Alice Hoffman book from 1995 that was huge, uh, is that in the movie, there's a curse because of the original great 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 Salem witch trial woman that was being hung and then she wasn't hung uh, almost like a Maldire figure yeah, yeah. or not Maldire but um, who's the witch who twice hung Mary um, half hung Mary oh god I should know it's our own show Weber Mary Webster Webster yeah I thought it was Weber anyway go um, ahead right yeah, yeah just basically the curse that she ba- it, it, it's first a, a wish that turned or a spell that turns into a curse of any Owens woman uh, will never be able to be uh, happy uh, in, in love, love uh, and if they are, then their partner will die. So that was added to the movie. That was not in the book, and you can see how it affects how the movie is made. I feel like if you if you take that part of it out, and her husband just dies out of a freak accident, and it's not the curse, I think there's a, a different tone there. Do you wonder? I wonder. Because I think, sure, take that out. Sandra Bullock's hot. How come she's not hooking up with men? I wonder if Sandra was like, is this believable? I need something changed. Maybe I'm afraid to fall in love because I'm cursed. I don't know. I'm just Maybe. saying. I think it was probably more more likely a, a, a producer or, or writer decision uh, to give it some kind of uh, I, I throw it at the feet of the stars. At the feet of the stars. Yes. There's also, I just want to mention Chloe Webb. 
who plays the other uh, employee of Sandra Bullock's. Blonde hair. Yeah, she uh, started out in Sid and Nancy. She played Nancy. Oh, Sid and Nancy. yeah, I've seen uh, that. She was on uh, China Beach, the Vietnam show. I used to watch that. In the 80s, and she was a singer. She Phenomenal. China Beach was and such a good show. she was unfortunately stuck. Kelly Priston gets uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and Chloe Webb gets Danny DeVito in Twins. Um, so she's from that as well. But she's she's a great actress, relegated to a couple of funny lines. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's coming out. She gets to say that. She's coming out, yeah. Um, do you feel like... Now I want to do Ghost. Go ahead. <laughs> Is Ghost a October movie? I mean, technically. I mean, yeah, it's got a spirit in it. So do you feel like that big Bible recipe book of spells and stuff... That something like that really does sort of kind of exist. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a there's a Wiccan spell book. Yeah, whether or not you know, it's, and again, it's more holistic, I think, than it is like spells. I didn't like killing the the dove. Didn't like that. Yeah, that was. Do you think that it he, came back as a deer? Do you think that <laughs> the bad guy, the bad guy? I think it also explores themes of how when someone is sexually assaulted or in a bad relationship that is, you know, from getting beat and all that, stays with someone. So that whole whole thing of him being inside of her and the exorcism, I think that's all about sisterhood as well, of getting your friends through situations like that. Mm-hmm. But I question this. So Goran Viznik is the actor's name who plays the, the Transylvanian guy from Transylvania, cowboy. who's supposed to be actually from Texas. Anyway, uh, because they didn't poke him in the eyes... Is that why he turned out the way he did? Because they didn't. I was going to bring that up. I was like, the spell wasn't complete. He came back before they did the eye thing. But I don't know. Would that have just made him? That's exactly why. That's exactly why. That was the last thing that they were supposed to do after they were doing it. Yeah, I wondered why that didn't happen other than the special effects guy was like, no, guys, can we not? (laughs) (laughs) I I don't want to get some fake eyes. Yeah, it's too much. Um,. I love. Can we talk about Stockard and Diane real quick? Oh, when they leave the movie, it, the movie really it falls flat. It falls flat. Yeah. They, you need them in the film. They are stars, who are wearing their costumes. The costumes are not wearing them. The the way that Stockard plays with the hat, even like the sun hat. Um, and the the ants and the book evidently were just a very small part. They. This was much bigger. Well, you had two gigantic actresses, not in size, but in talent and legendary uh, work. Um, Stockard and Diane Weist, Weist, we don't know, Diane W., um, they own every scene that they're in. And they're up against Sandra Bullock and Nicole Kidman at the height of their glamour um of their beauty beauty gorgeous i mean they're still beautiful but like this was like they were the it girls um and they knew it and still these two more mature women wipe the screen with them and your their little looks to each other they almost have a side language all their own that is so funny to watch they're captivating this whole film um Especially when they're drunk and singing You Were Always On My Mind. And when they come back and uh, Diane Weist-Weist is uh, basically dressed as Mary Poppins. Yeah. I mean, it's so funny. The incredibly small umbrella that Stalker Channing has in the beginning. Yeah. I'm like, that's just for fashion. That Absolutely. is not functional at all. 
Um, I feel like they got to run through and be like, yeah, let's do this. Let's do this. Like, had a very big input. Mm-hmm. They also, I like that they are witches who live by the, the coast. So I feel like they, I want to say they had some major input into their costumes because those are not typical, quote unquote, witch outfits. They are eccentric ladies who live by the coast outfits. They're all practical and fu- practical. Uh, for like, you know, there's just the right wraps in the right place in case it gets a little chilly. Um, they're very kind of olden day beach wear. Um, it's, it's very fascinating. Yeah, like they weren't alive during that time period. Right, but. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. interesting. Like you almost feel like they're immortal in a way. Yeah. It's interesting. It's an interesting choice. Um, a couple of uh, other uh, things about this film. So in the scene you were talking about with the brooms, Matt. Yeah, uh, and Nicole Kidman's on the floor and she's bouncing around or whatever. Nicole Kidman wanted to bounce her head off the the floor, so Griffin Dunn was like, "Let's get a rubber floor in here." So they put a rubber floor in so she could kind of just go crazy and, and do you know whatever she wanted. Also, Griffin Dunn says that they had a uh, an actual Wiccan, a witch, uh, on set, uh, helping, consultant, a consultant helping with everything, but then she wanted more money. And they didn't give her more money, the producers, and so she put a curse on the movie. And on Griffin Dunn. Are you serious? Yes. What? And then he had a little thing afterwards with, like, you know, uh, burning sage and, like, trying to get rid of the curse or whatever. But it did bomb at the box office all around the world. It was made wow. for $75 million, only made, like, 40 and change million wow. uh, back. But then the cult following. And Griffin Dunn, I think, maybe only directed... One or two other things. Give the witch her money. Why would you not pay the consultant, which is why you're there telling this story? Well, they already paid her. She wanted more. She wanted more after the fact. Ah, witches these days. (laughs) Or in 98, at least. Witches in the 90s. (laughs) Am I right or am I right? And also, like, this is such a 90s movie. The the fashion is just insane. Mm -hmm. What they're wearing. Like, when Sandra Bullock, everything she wears, I'm like... You, I mean, that was everywhere. I mean, in yeah, yeah it's it was fascinating. The, the are you Time referring capsule. to the booty shorts and midriff top <laughs> with which she then jumps on top of her man? In? On her man, you're right. Yeah. Um, that was when she was younger to show that she was younger because she's not in those kind of looks again. That's right because they were in their thirties. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something incredibly sweet about this movie about the sisterhood that feels almost a little too close and that's probably me putting sexualization on two gorgeous women who are just like all over each other in one bed and I'm like they're sisters they're sisters but it's 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 very sweet it's it's uh their blood packed with each other in the beginning and then later on they can t- like touch the scar and the other one will think of them Almost like pre-cell... Well, there were cell phones then, but... I mean, that seems practical. And a little magical as well, I would argue. Um, No, I I would recommend that you watch this movie. I think this is okay to watch with the kids. With a caveat that, oh, drinking is bad, and Nicole smokes too much. There's some curses. There's some curses. But, you know, this is good for teens, I think, with a few caveats. Um, I love how sometimes Aiden Quinn's character... Has one green eye and one blue eye, and then uh, other blue. times they're like, ah, forget it. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. I'm like, well, th- does he wear a contact in the other yeah. eye? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I guess colored contacts existed back in like the 1930s, so it's possible. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
I don't know. I, I, I just thought, you know, is he just not into it today? <laughs> is, his, is his eyes bothering him? Um, I, one thing I, I did not like, you guys talk about the tonal shifts of the film. I love that because it keeps me engaged in the movie. I understand how it's not unifying and maybe as a detriment to the whole, but it makes me go, it makes me lean in and go, where are we going next? One thing I did not like was after they bury the man in the front yard, which is like, I guess they couldn't bury it in the backyard because the house is only a facade. So, but why would you bury something in the front yard where everyone can see? And then like the, the rose bush goes crazy and there's a million frogs. You see his feet much like the Wicked Witch of the West. And then they, they, they shrink and I'm not sure why. They sink. But why do they come up right. only to go down? Exactly, yeah. It's very strange. I, I kind of, I'll, I would, okay, to go with the uh, inner logic of the film, I would say that Sandra Bullock, because she is so powerful, Sally, that she makes it go back down. I thought it was a Wizard of Oz callback joke. I, I thought, this has got to be on purpose, right, y'all? Anyway, I would love to shop at that apothecary. Absolutely. Well, didn't you say something about apothecaries? I just said there's something so visually like calming or pleasing about the bottles and the colors and the labels. It feels antiquated yet kind of simple. I just like I just like the look. Uh, soothing in a way, right? Yeah. Yeah, and very uh, uh, utilitarian, and everything's very clean. It made me think of Rose's apothecary. 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 Sorry, wine. Um, from Schitt's Creek. It's the same kind of thing. It's white with, uh, you know... The... So what's Schitt's Creek? I, I don't, well, I don't... Schitt's Creek is what happens after too much salad. Oh, okay. okay. Uh... No, I, and I never watched that show, and I should. If there's an apothecary in it, I should watch it. You've never watched Schitt's Creek? Never. It's... I think it's... I mean, it's... It's going to be something. <laughs> <laughs> it won, like, you Everything, know, awards. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah. You and should. I love... Uh, what's her face? O'Hara. Catherine. Yeah. All right. Well, that has been our take on Practical Magic. Bye. Bye. All right. Well, that what you missed was a vivid discussion about Schitt's Creek. Um, us, like, trying to sell it to Ryan like we were whiskey salesman on a stagecoach. I'm giving it away for free. Well, there you you have it. Um, If you want to learn more about us, visit www.connorsmithmusicals.com That's Connor with an E-R. You can find us on social media on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and again, Patreon under Connor and Smith. Connor, again, with an E-R. There is some weird country music star named Connor Smith that's not us you search Connor Smith musicals usually finds us um, please rate review subscribe to our podcast really helps us out a lot share it where you share things post it where you post things please follow Ryan on Letterboxd his link is in the podcast notes thanks again to all of our standing Patreon family members if you want to become a Patreon supporter please join find the link in the podcast notes and That's all we have for you today. We'll be back tomorrow. Take it easy.